Welcome to League of Lit, where we discuss books, adaptations, and anything else we wish to talk about and tie it to lit, because we can. Yay! First episode! I'm doing a dance. Nobody can see it, but I'm doing it. (laughs) All of it. We are officially launching this thing. We consider this to be the actual first episode, because we're actually talking about lit instead of Mm -hmm. ourselves. I like the first episode we're launching ourselves to Canada. Yes. We were like, America, who is she? Well, if you think about it, there is a quote in the book that we're talking about today that says, I'm so glad I live in a world where there are Octobers. And um, that is from the one and only Anne of Green Gables by Ellen Montgomery, which is what we're talking about today. Should we start by defining adaptations? I, I believe we need to do that. So that way everyone understands the working definition that we have and how it is that we define what an adaptation is. So Sierra, how do we define adaptation? As a whole, for both of us, I mean, anything that's based in literature, anything that takes something like a book, specifically books, because we are the League of Lit, and makes it into a movie, a TV show, we'll be talking about internet created content there's a lot of it if you haven't looked yeah that's it right pretty much anything that like hits the key components um as far as like qualifying it as a quote good adaptation or at least a decent adaptation it it needs to hit all of the important parts yeah of of the story if it's missing anything that was important Mm -hmm. and crucial to like moving the story along um then it's probably not that great of an adaptation. Or if it adds things that doesn't add to the story or ends up taking away from the story that is actually being told, then that's also not that great of an adaptation. Yeah, we've seen many of them. Oh my gosh, (laughs) so many. We've seen many really bad adaptations and many really good ones. Exactly. We'll spend a lot of time talking about all of it. (laughs) Mostly the good ones, but we'll talk a little bit about the ones we didn't like too. Alrighty, and then we also need to put on here a blanket statement of we are not going to be a spoiler-free podcast. Um, not at all. Yes, there are a number of things that we are going to be talking about on this podcast that have been out for centuries. Today is one of those. Um, but we also know that everyone picks up things at different times, but we're not avoiding spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled by anything, maybe not listen to this episode and listen to an episode that you actually have already con- yeah. taken part in. Stop here. Go listen to I don't know Star Wars. My best example every time, and uh, then come back, (laughs) which will be out way later. Star Wars is not a good reference right now. Could also be finding this podcast at different times, so you never know. Yeah, we could be three years in. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) For right now, we're in 2020, and this is our first episode. (laughs) Yeah, 2020. So Anne of Green Gables was published in 1908. It was written by Lucy Maud Montgomery, and it takes place in Canada. That it does. And it's about Anne Shirley, an orphan girl who is sent to Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert, who are elderly siblings. But it was a mistake that Anne was sent to them because they were they were hoping for a boy, but they got Anne instead. And through Anne's fiery spirit and excellent imagination, she charms her new home and community of Avonlea on Prince Edward Island. Now, Prince Edward Island is an actual place in Canada, but Avonlea is not an actual place. They do have an Avonlea village, but it was created because of Anne of Green Gables. Gables. So I did a lot of digging, um, making sure we didn't like miss any adaptations. 
And I found one that was like really interesting. Um, there was one that was like the first time Anne of Green Gables was ever adapted was in 1934. It was a movie. Uh, yep, it was a movie. And the actress, mm. she adopted this name in that same year. So I don't know if this was before or after um, because it doesn't say that like she was listed as another name for that adaptation. But she ad- like legally made her name Anne Shirley in 1934. That's a very aggressive way of being a part of something. <laughs> but like before super that, extra. Well, like she had been a child actor and had uh, like her name before that was Dawn O'Day. And at the age of 16, which is because uh, she was born in 1918. So I did the math and determined that that was 1934, which is the year that this particular adaptation came out. Like she legally changed her name to Anne Shirley. Hmm. Like, f- through what I read, it's very unclear what um, what her name was at birth. Because it said that, like, she tried a different, like, several different names. But yeah. all I found on, like, IMDb was Don O'Day was the only other name I saw. And so I don't... Child actors. I don't really know. But I thought that was interesting because I was very confused when I saw it. I was like, what does it mean? Like, why does it have the character like the lead character listed <laughs> as the actress as the actress i'm very confused very here confusing. and so that that's what i found and i thought that was interesting but um i don't know anything else about the adaptation i never saw that version i've never seen it either um so but i just thought that was interesting in in making sure i didn't miss any yeah <laughs> adaptations for us to list and so uh, after that, we have the 1985 TV miniseries um, that had that was the one for Anne of Green Gables. And then in 87, it did Anne of Avonlea. And then in 2000, we had Anne, the continuing story. And those all star uh, Megan Follows as Anne. Who I love. She is one of my favorite Annes. If Probably you look actually at, my favorite Anne. <laughs> if you look at reviews of that movie... All the reviews are just Megan Follows is the best and only Anne Shirley we will ever have. <laughs> like literally and every like, review. Is- that, like, I mean, I don't know that there isn't an actor in that adaptation that did not like do justice. Oh, I agree. To, to their character. Like Jonathan Crumbie was an excellent Gilbert Blythe. Oh. And it was absolutely a sad day when... Um, when his passing was announced like oh my gosh <laughs> there was so much gilbert blythe content on that day <laughs> it was ridiculous it's just it's such a a very faithful adaptation it really is and such a well-made faithful adaptation because it's so gorgeous mm-hmm. it like they keep it in the time period which is um like early 20th like late 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 19th early 20th century it's just so it's just so nice and you really get the sense of the novel mm-hmm. in adaptation form in that yeah. particular adaptation. And people love those first two movies. And everybody again, I read a lot of reviews of this movie yesterday. I read reviews from like 1999 because I was just like looking at different things. People hated continuing story. And cuz it think- wasn't as faithful. But that one, because there's several books in the whole, like, Anne series. Mm-hmm. So they were just trying to, like, give something else. They literally, after the one that was released in 87, there wasn't another until 2000. Yeah, like, 13 that, years that is, is a, a long time. 
that is a substantial amount of time. So it's not like they could just, oh, let's just pick up where we left off. Like, no, the actors have aged. <laughs> yes. And they're, they're not going to match where our characters are in time. So that's like they had to do. They had to do what they could do. Um, did you know that Megan beat out 3,000 girls in order to get the part of Anne? I did not know that. It was fun trivia. <laughs> 3,000 girls. Can you imagine watching 3,000 girls read for Anne Shirley? I would probably want to die at the end. Well, and like, I wonder if all of those girls were like true redheads. I doubt it. Because that is like... That's like a key component of like Anne's character, oh, which yeah. is a funny thing to say because most people are like, no, hair is not like important. You can dye hair. Like, yes, you can dye hair, but it comes across differently if it's not something that you grew up with. Yeah, because red hair is, is a very specific that you like, look. Like, like if if your appearance is something that you were truly concerned about, it only like works if you were, you know, like consumed by it yeah no i agree with you and i honestly it didn't say anything other than that she beat out three thousand girls which i thought was insanity that that is insane i i couldn't even imagine like trying to cast a, a production like this and go through that many people for one character for one character i hope it was easier to cast everybody else i really do oh i oh i absolutely hope it was for the casting director's sake <laughs> yes oh my goodness let's talk about because we love him. Let's talk about Jonathan Crombie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He, what do we want to talk about? Him as Gilbert Blythe is quite possibly like the like dream man. <laughs> that makes sense. Like 14-year-old Sarah really loved Gilbert Blythe. And that was who like that kind their relationship was what I would have. I think when it comes to literary relationships as far as being like models that you could base your own real life relationships on Anna and Gilbert's is a good one from the mm -hmm. stance that Gilbert never let Anne like stay stagnant yeah he always pushed her to be better and to pursue whatever dreams she had mm -hmm. with everything that she had at the same time of you know like pursuing his own yes and they built a very solid friendship, even though they didn't start off on the right foot. Yeah, no. <laughs> they um, they progressed very much. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times um, I would question different like instances in my own life and ask myself, was that a breaking a slate over some boy's head moment? <laughs> yes. And I don't think I've ever actually had that moment, but no. And it, I think it was I a mean, question that I would ask. Yeah. And honestly, like looking back at it, of course, Anne and Gilbert were very young when they met. And so it's a very juvenile beginning. And as obviously but as an adult woman. To, you also have to remember there was a, a defined age gap. Yes. And I think it was portrayed very well in the 1985 adaptation. Um, I agree. Because, I mean, you have to think about like what schools were like during that time period. Every grade was in the same room. Mm-hmm. Like, you were having to teach to all grades at all times. Um, I think when we start talking about the modern ones, we'll, um, we'll have different things to talk about with that. But, um, but I think that was one of the things that you also have to remember is that, if I remember correctly, Gilbert was 16 um, when he first met Anne, and Anne was, like, 13 or 14. I think so. 
I think she was 13. Like it wasn't like it, it wasn't like a huge age gap difference. But it was it, it wasn't mean, like that's wasn't significant like was when you're that age. But right. It, it was it was significant enough to where, you know, it's it causes for concern from, you know, Matthew and Marilla. Yeah. I think Anne of Green Gables is an important book for young women because I feel like it's a very good commentary, especially if you read more of them, um, on female growing up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because um, Anne is not somebody who pulls her punches and she's not somebody who is willing to always back down, mm-hmm. which I think is an important thing. I mean, obviously she grows a lot in just the first book. Oh, absolutely. Because um, if you think about it, because she is an orphan and she like when where we meet Anne at the beginning, we only get told that like she's bounced from several houses and we only really get like a glimpse into what like the previous home that she was a part of was like. But we know that she has pretty much essentially been like for the modern sense of being in and out of foster care for a good chunk of her life. And so she's while she's always dreamed and hoped of having a community and a family that is hers, she hasn't really experienced it until now. And even then, she's not sure that she's getting it because of Matthew and Marilla, really more so Marilla, not being sure that Anne is the best fit for them because they asked for a boy and not a girl. Yeah. And And it's a good commentary on growing up because Anne has a lot of adventures and a lot of things happen in her life. And she goes she experiences things that we all experience growing up. She experiences loss when Matthew dies and she experiences the hardship of, of sort of fighting with your mother, especially as a young girl, her relationship with Marilla is Mm -hmm. I think a good example of uh, a female relationship with their mother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And on the note of Marilla, I love Colleen Dewhurst as Marilla. Mm -hmm. I think she is such a, it's so weird. She's such a good mixture of that hard ass soft that Marilla mm-hmm. gives. Well, like she, I think the way that they, especially like with the way that the costumes were done, it definitely gave that good. And then obviously like Colleen did a really great job just with her acting in general of presenting that hard exterior. Mm-hmm. But the more we get to know Marilla, the more we find that she really does have a soft heart, but she has felt that, the way that life has been for her, it's better if she has the hard exterior. Yeah. And Anne challenges that hard exterior in a way that Marilla's never really felt because Matthew was so kind-hearted that he could never say anything mean to anybody. No, he's so shy and sweet. And it will forever make me cry when he dies. That will oh, never absolutely. not be. I mean, I love to cry in general, but this movie, I always cry. There is never a moment that is that is not pull at your heartstrings like make you feel all the things <laughs> he's just so gentle 40 pounds of brown sugar indeed yeah so in 2014 we have um, a youtube web series called green gables fables um, and it's a modernized adaptation and it has um it starts with Anne being a junior or no She's a senior. I think it starts with her. I think it like it starts with her as a junior and you get to see like the tail end because of when she first comes to Matthew and Marilla. I think that's where it starts. And then you get to also see 
all of senior year. I think I want to say that's how it goes. Um, Because season two is all about her being off at Redmond. I want to say that makes sense because if you think about it in the sense of the like of Anne of Green Gables, you get you get several years in that book. It's not just like oh, this is one year of her life. And you you know I have thoughts on this. I've told you I have thoughts on it. Yes, you have thoughts. What are your thoughts, Sierra? I'm excited to share them. I thought it was good. I thought it was cute. Um, I definitely feel like I do think that the first season is definitely a little more maybe. Maybe juvenile is a better word in, in like the writing and the way that everything is um, formulated, which I mean, it was the first season, so I can't necessarily fault them for that. But I loved the second season. I mean, if I had watched this back then, I probably would have fallen in love with it the way that you did, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that that makes it difficult because 28 year old Sierra is looking at something and trying to look through 22 year old Sierra's eyes and it's not working. <laughs> I mean, it's not always easy to go back and look at things uh, the way that you looked at them before. I mean, even in rewatching things that I've seen million times over, I will always have differing opinions as I get older because that's just part of getting older. But I mean, as far as your point of like the second season being stronger, I agree with that in writing. And um, there's a apparently there's a literary inspired web series like awards thing. Uh, it, they haven't. I haven't done, it doesn't look like they've done anything since like 2017. I want to say that's like the last time they did anything. Uh, but Green Gables Fables like won several awards um, for each season. And in 2016, um, they won like best script and best uh, like lit inspired web series for their second season of Green Gables Fables. And so I think that just even proves the point even more of like okay enough people actually like enjoyed it that much more to where not only were they nominated for that but they won yeah and i can see that coming from the second season because i really enjoyed um i love mandy and tanner as ann and gilbert i think that they're such a it's a good representation of that opposite sex relationship that doesn't have to be it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, I know that mm-hmm. Gilbert and Anne end up together, but it's show it's it's that good showing of like you should be friends first. Yes, kind of it's a very good advocate for the friends first method when it comes to relationships. Um, but it also shows um, the amount of patience that Gilbert has, because like as we learn, Gilbert was interested in Anne from the get go. Yeah. But Anne had her ideals, and when those ideals get dashed, that's when she, like, decides, oh, I've been missing what's been in front of my face this entire time, Mm -hmm. which, um, let's just talk about Roy Gardner. Oh, my God, I was literally about to be like, can we talk about Roy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, my God, I have notes about Roy. So, I mean, I don't remember... In the 85 miniseries, uh, which I guess it would really be 87 is when we, um, when in Anne of Avonlea is when we really yeah. see Roy, Royal Gardner, which Royal. is such a weird, which is such a weird name from the get go. Like who names their child Royal? I'm sorry. Who names their child Gilbert? <laughs> Royal and Gilbert are not normal names. Maybe back then Gilbert I feel was like more Gilbert- normal. I feel Gilbert is more normal than Royal. I mean, I agree with you, but still on that vein, they're not normal. And and I wonder if Ellen Montgomery like made those choices 
like specifically naming Royal such an out there name to point out even more how out there and not for Anne he was. Oh my gosh, yes. And and the guy who played Roy in Green Gables Fables seemed very sweet and I like <laughs> I felt I was just like, "Oh, no. No. No, honey." <laughs> That was how I felt watching it. I was just like, no, this is not. He was awkward till the cows came home. He was so, he was such like a little awkward baby. (laughs) It felt very strange to watch him and Mandy interact. And not because I think that they felt awkward about it. But obviously I think they intended Roy to be awkward. But like because I'd seen Mm -hmm. her and Tanner interact. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, this is not, this is not right. (laughs) And your name is Royal, which is confusing. Yes, technically, as an audience member, we are supposed to, we're supposed to root for Anne regardless of what her choices are, because that is how, like, the character is designed, yeah. and, like, the perspective of the story that we're told is is designed, so you're supposed to be like, yes, you have decided that this is your, like, I mean, this is your ideal, like, from your childhood, this is how you always dreamed your, like, romances would be, and... I don't know. I I just could never. I had a really hard time in Green Gables Fables liking Roy. I did too. But I also don't know how much of that is because I know how this ends. <laughs> yeah, like part of it could totally be. It it's just like mm, no, but I know she ends up with Gilbert. This is not right. <laughs> well, like, and if you think about like the eighty five miniseries specifically, the the way that it ends like it's not like oh they end with a kiss as most modern things end these days of like this is how we show that they're going to progress into that relationship we're not telling you that they're ending in a relationship but they're going to progress in that direction like you at least see by the end of um of Anne of Green Gables um the 85 miniseries that they're at least on good terms and they are actual friends yes and you can see the groundwork for more than that being laid, but it's not glaringly obvious this is what's coming. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like a hinty kind of it's like we're tell you know, we're just hinting that that might happen. Yes. It's like this could happen, this could also not happen. They could just be friends for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Very subtle. I was gonna talk about like the difference between Jonathan Crombie and Tanner Gilman's um like portrayal of Gilbert Blythe. Go ahead. They both do an excellent job of like just showing how like Gilbert as a character is an endearing character. Like, yes, he's very you lovable. Can't, you can't not like Gilbert Blythe. Regardless of how much Anne tries to fill your head with how much she hates him because he called her carrots, mm. you still can't not like Gilbert Blythe. <laughs> no, he's very he's very lovable and very endearing. Like he tugs at your heartstrings. Yes. And I think it's very clear from the get-go to see their interest. Like see from their portrayals of Gilbert, like you can see Gilbert's interest in Anne. Yes, he's 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 not a subtle man, which is funny. And I think the way that Jonathan Crumbie portrays Gilbert a little bit more is you you see more of how he encourages Anne, where Tanner's portrayal, I feel like it's more of a push. Yeah, he's definitely more like, you're 
go do it. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, thing. and I mean, you can see the way that Tanner portrays Gilbert that it it comes from a good place, and like he, there's a lot of heart behind it, but it's more of a push than like yes, than I'm here encouraging you to do this. Yeah, I agree. But they're both in, endearing in a lot of ways. I mean, Jonathan will always be Gilbert in my eyes, but. I liked the way that Tanner did it and I appreciated where he came from because he, he yeah. still felt very heartfelt. Everything felt very in, you know, just that sweet, endearing. I am your friend. I'm also slightly in love with you, but we won't talk about that. It's <laughs> kind like, but of if, thing. It's like, but if you don't want to go that way, we can stay as friends. Like, yeah, you, you can see that that is, that is clear. Yes. The big like moments that like kind of, turn Anne on on her head of like oh maybe I, I do actually care more than just as a friend yeah um I, I was curious how they were, were going to do it with Green Gables fables because scarlet fever is obviously not a thing in yes. this day and age which is what uh, Gilbert Blythe almost died of I think the bike accident was a it was a good it one was, yeah it was a good way of of putting that in in the modern setting of like what kind of thing would really be more believable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a college student who, yeah, you know, what's he going to do? So I think exactly. a bike accident, I think a bike accident worked really well. Cause yeah. like, you're not going to look at somebody and be like, Oh, they got the flu and they almost died. That's not, it's not a typical thing. Do people die of the flu? Absolutely. Yes. But it's not, it's not the norm. It's not what you hear a whole lot of anyways. Yeah, maybe that's really what it is. And then, like, all of the jokes that Tanner made. Um, and I don't know if that's just... If those were actually written or if Tanner ad-libbed them. <laughs> I'd really like to know. But Gilbot Blythe was a good one. I wrote that down. <laughs> I literally wrote down Gilbot Blythe and, like, underlined it, like, three times. I was like, Gilbot Blythe is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I, was, I laughed so hard. I mean... it was it, just so silly. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I think it shined even more of, like, the kind of character that, like, Gilbert is, as well as um, just how he was trying to make light of a situation that obviously was not, was not super great. Yeah, it's, he's that kind of person who's like, this bad thing happened, but I, I will be able to make you laugh through it because I can laugh about it. And I think that that even goes to more of, like, why... Gilbert and Anne, just like as characters, are good for each other because, yes, Gilbert is grounded, but he is willing to and can dream with Anne. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's valuable. And it's it's also different than what we see for most other, like, literary relationships. Yeah. More on that later. And I don't know how much of that is, like, Gilbert learned to do that, through knowing Anne and wanting so badly to be a part of Anne's life. Therefore he gained that talent. Yeah. Because we're told the, or the story from Anne's perspective, like we don't necessarily see yeah. Gilbert's development in that way. We only really get to see what Anne sees. Yeah. It would be very interesting to, to get a perspective of Gilbert. Mm -hmm. I'd be very interested to see Anne of Green Gables through somebody like Gilbert's eyes. Yeah. Not asking for it, though. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> We've already gotten so many 
I don't want to say garbage because that's mean, but like not good, not good rewrites of things. But I think Gilbert would be an interesting if somebody could do that and do it really well, mm-hmm. um, and do it in the the style of um, Montgomery. I think would be really interesting. Absolutely. Now that we've talked kind of about both modern and um, the true true to life true to the book adaptation. Um, one of the things that I, I will say that I think Green Gables Fables does better than the original is um, is show how like Josie and Anne's relationship grows. We don't necessarily like see a whole lot of Josie in the second season, yeah. but Josie also didn't really go to Redmond. So, you know, it makes sense. That we wouldn't have seen it. But, like, within that first season, I feel like Josie and Anne in Green Gables Fables got more on a we will be, like, we'll be, like, the the most basic level of friends we possibly can be because of the shared people in our lives. Yeah. Like, it's not like a, oh, my gosh, like, we, we're going to be sworn enemies and we're just continue pushing each other's buttons for the rest of our lives. Like, you could see that by the end of it, they... Um, they kind of come together and then in the second season when Ruby dies, that's the only other time I think we like see Josie It's because she make she, if you like watch the extra like videos that are made, mm-hmm. Josie makes a video about Ruby's death. Okay. And so like, I think that's really the only other time, um, because during that time, I, I want to say Anne went home. I want to say she, she did went- too. Like, I want to say Anne went home um, at least for a weekend during that part. And um, and so, you know, like, they got to grieve as a friend group, which I think is important. I agree. And I did. It was nice to, like, see that relationship just sort of. It never went into that, like, mean territory. Which it very well could have, like, delved into that. I will say that the um, the eighty five version, I I want to say that they show Anne and um, Diana's friendship in a stronger, better light. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that because so much of the like, you see their relationship being built happens during that first book, and so they, it really should have happened during that first. Um, during that first season mm-hmm. of Green Gables Fables. And I don't know if it was because they decided it was going to be, oh, this is a person that Anne met off of Tumblr. This is a friend that she made online versus this is somebody that she goes to school with. I don't know if that's part of what changed it. Yeah. Um, or if how i mean like diana as a character is a shy and reserved girl anyways because that's how she was brought up yeah but i don't know if um if she was portrayed too shy i think a little bit and so like because of that you don't have i don't know the same dynamic sort of Mm -hmm. because it's very in the 1985 their friendship is very solid very strong Mm -hmm. and i feel like yeah, maybe they just took it a little too far into reserved mm-hmm. and made it almost everything was like Anne's responsibility to keep their friendship going. Yeah, and that's not how friendships work. <laughs> no, it is not. I have not 
I have stopped being friends with people because of that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think maybe they took her a little too far into the shy, you know, oh, well, you know, my friend Anne is in charge kind of thing. And it's like, no, yeah. honey, you can be in charge too. Like, I will say, um, looking objectively at like all Anne's, even the adaptations that like I only saw like snippets of, I never really like took the time to like dive into because it didn't hook me. Um, it's consistent across all adaptations that they portray Anne's overactive imagination. Like it's... I would even say it's like borderline overacted. A little bit, yeah. I can agree with you on that. But even though they all, like that is a consistent thing you find in every adaptation, each adaptation still feels differently. I agree. No Anne feels the same, despite obviously that they're all based on the same character. Mm-hmm. No Anne sort of portrays that imaginative, because I think everybody interprets it differently too. Oh, Absolutely. Because everyone's imagination, like, runs differently. Yeah, way differently. And I feel like Anne, being the over-imaginative person, there's the way of taking it too far. And I don't necessarily think anybody really did that. But I do think they all did it so differently. And it's nice to see that. Because it's nice to see different actresses interpret the same exact person. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate that about all of the different adaptations even the ones that i have not actually pursued further than like you know 30 minutes or something which do you want to talk about those real quickly and then we can get back to other things we can um so we've talked about green gables fables Mm -hmm. we talked about 1934 yep in 2016 there was a tv movie um it has ella ballantine as Anne, but the only like quote big name actor that was in it was martin sheen as matthew what Sorry. Yeah, this this huh? I like I remember when this thing uh w- was coming out cuz they were airing it on PBS. And yeah. so PBS like had I want to say like 15 minutes that they like made available for you to watch. And I just was not sold. And I think a big part of it was the fact that Martin Sheen just didn't really play Matthew in the way that I remember Matthew. I can't get behind Martin Sheen playing Matthew. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to the 2016 adaptation. I can't get behind that. That is strange. Honestly, like I looked at the cast list. I was like, was there another like actor that was recognizable? Nope. Martin Sheen is the only established recognizable actor that I found on the cast list. And That's such a choice. He just doesn't read Matthew. And I highly doubt it was, like, the Emma Thompson um, issue with Sense and Sensibility. I highly doubt that it was that. Right? Because that just feels, it feels so off. It feels very confusing. That was that one. It it didn't hook me, and I think that was a big part of why. In 2017, uh, started Netflix's journey of Anne with an E. Yeah. And even before they ever like released the first um the first season of that one i wasn't sure because i w- i read a lot of articles where they're talking about it it was going to be darker than yeah any other adaptation i'm like how are you going to make something dark that doesn't necessarily feel dark to begin with yeah like there's no real heavy 
darkness as far they they are heavy moments but they're not heavily dark moments and i did try recently i was like okay you know what like if we're actually going to be talking about this i should probably try and watch this but because of like all of those things that i read i was like i don't know that i really want to do this i i don't know that i can bring myself to do it because i don't want my memory of a book that i love and the adaptations that i have found that i feel like do it justice I don't know that I could bring myself to watch something that is going to dash it this way. And in the, I, I think I only got like five minutes in. Yeah, that's about how far I got in. <laughs> I may have gotten a little further. I don't know. Um, the way that they started it didn't make sense to me because they started, like, they started off by you meeting Matthew and Marilla. And it doesn't make sense to meet Matthew and Marilla before we meet Anne. Literally the title character, you named this after her. Anne is literally the focus of this. Like, why would we meet other characters before we meet our title character? Like, there okay. are, there are like, benefits to doing that sometimes because, I mean, like, Shakespeare does that a bunch where, like, we don't meet the title character until, like, a little bit in. But that's done in a way to where it's like, okay, that makes sense. This just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I didn't get very far into it either, and I didn't try before we started talking about this, because I was like, I'm not doing it again. Um, <laughs> but I did try when it first came out, because I was like, oh, well, Anna Green Gables, people love, and you know, it's no stain on Netflix. Netflix has made some really incredible things, but people love Anne with an E, and I just can't, I don't know, there's just, I think it's that thing that they were like, well, we're going to go dark with it, and I'm like, but Anne's world isn't a dark world. Mm -hmm. that's kind of the point of who she is is that even when bad things happen she has herself to come back to and her imagination to go to and those kinds of she finds a lot of joy in the world despite horrible things that happen while she will say that she is in the depths of despair it's not a dark and dreary edgar Allan poe-esque world yeah like it's still there is still sunshine in the middle of all of that. Yeah. And I think that's something I could not get behind. Yeah. And so like the only evidence of quote darkness I saw is it looked like they were intensifying Anne's time with the Hammonds, which I don't know that that really provides value. I know either because like it's not an important part of anything else. The only other time that her time with the Hammonds proves to be value, like proves any sort of value, is when Diana's sister, Minnie Mae, is getting severely ill. Yeah. And the reason why Anne knew what she knew is because of her time with the Hammonds. Yeah. Even that's not like a huge plot point. You could, it doesn't make sense to lean onto something like that when that is a very small moment in a very large world. Oh, absolutely. And even then, you don't have to know how long she was with the Hammonds or anything like that. Like, you don't even know, you don't even need to know if, like, the Hammonds treated her poorly. Like, you get enough of a sense of her time with the Hammonds just by her asking, does this new family that I'm going to, do they have twins? Do they, like, the certain questions that she asks, those show her fears of not wanting to do it again, we don't need to know why. We don't even need to know if they beat her or anything like that. Like that's, it doesn't have any other effect on her other than she just doesn't want to do it again. 
Yeah, because there's no... Anne didn't take away anything from that experience of, like, the trauma, I guess. Yeah. She just wanted to make sure she didn't end up in that situation again. But there wasn't... Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a, you know, they beat me every day and now I'm traumatized by it. Which I think... I think that's also sort of a most dangerous way to interpret it because like that's not oh Anne. yeah it's very negative Absolutely. and it, it she doesn't have that kind of fear mm-hmm. in herself because she trusts herself a lot it's not like that's necessarily the case for all orphans that that is what they go through like is that true for some yes there are plenty of kids that get put into foster care and end up in not great situations but that is not Anne's situation that we are aware of. So to make it that way doesn't doesn't do anything other than potentially turn away audience members that could have potentially enjoyed what you had to offer for the adaptation. I agree with that completely. Which is why neither of us got any further. Exactly. We're both we're both slight purists, which is weird. <laughs> we're purists in the fact that like you don't need to add weird things to something to make it good right you don't need to focus on things that are not important to make something good and we fully accept the fact that you know as lovers of the novel we are not necessarily the target audience for mm-hmm. these kinds of adaptations exactly but at the same time i'd hate to know because i know that there are plenty of like at least when I was in school, there are plenty of people who would ask me about which adaptation they should watch in order to get the sense so they could pass their test. I'd hate to know that this is something that somebody is watching in order so they can pass a test. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be so awful. Oh, I cannot. Especially if it's an essay test and they have like a question about it. Like, oh my gosh, I could not imagine this at all. Oh, it'd be so awful. That teacher's just reading that like, what? I feel so bad for all teachers who have to read uh, exams because somebody just watched something instead of actually reading it. No, I fully agree. I know we like briefly touched on Ruby dying um, when we were talking about Green Gables Fables. I don't remember that happening in the miniseries that has Megan Follows in it. I don't either. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. I, I know it happened in the book because I Googled it to verify because it's been, you know, years since I've read the book. So I couldn't even remember if that was a thing that happened then either. I'm just sitting here in my brain, like, going through it. Like, did that happen? Another adaptation that I found, because, you know, I I never realized how many, like, wiki fandom things there are out there. There is one for Anne of Green Gables, and they will, like, show you all of the adaptations. There is a novel called Anna of California, and it's by Andy Taran. It was published in 2015, and it is a retelling. It is meant to be a modern retelling of Anne of Green Gables. Okay. They do not keep, <laughs> obviously, because oh, no. it because it's Anna A and A. Um, they they do not keep names as they are. Um, Gilbert Blythe is not Gilbert Blythe. He's like <gasps> Carl something. What? Yeah. Listen, 2015, we can name our children Gilbert. I won't, but like we could. <laughs> Hateful. Just call him Gil. I, I saw that and it's like, I don't even want to dig in any more of that, but we're going to write it down because it, it is a yeah. thing. Lord of mercy. This was a long, <laughs> oh, this was a lot to, to put this episode together. Oh, yeah. 
We learned a lot of things. We did. Right. Obviously, we need to make sure that we thank the author, Ellen Montgomery, for writing this wonderful book that has created such wonderful a- adaptations. And even though there are some that are not so great, we, we are still grateful. Yeah. And, and we can be thankful to everybody who's made these really great adaptations and even the ones that we don't enjoy as much. You know, you've taken you've tried to take something that people love and mold it into something else. And that's commendable whether we liked it or not i mean other people obviously do so you know we can be thankful to those people for doing what they do because otherwise we wouldn't have things like green gables fables and stuff like that absolutely um and of course we have to thank zekaka who is my favorite person i've never spoken to (laughs) i just love his name that's really what it is um for making zekaka thank you for making a very beautiful and wonderful art you're a good man. We appreciate you. <laughs> yes. And we thank all of you for choosing to listen and listen to our ramblings and us just deciding what we do and do not like and how we respectfully disagree with each other. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's what this is all about. Thanks for tuning in to League of Lit. If you have any suggestions for an episode, feel free to leave a comment on leagueoflit.tumblr.com.